Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time and in the middle of the global pandemic, I left my old life behind. Today, I'm a private psychologist, digital course creator, mum to five and best-selling author. My mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose. Are you ready to be empowered? This is Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Hi and welcome to episode 19 of Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. So today in the podcast, I am talking about a topic that I know typically generates a strong reaction and response in women in particular. And that topic is eating. It can often be a contentious subject, not least because eating is often linked to weight, shape and body image. And so while it's something that I'm keen to offer a psychological perspective on, I know that it may provoke a strong reaction in you. As ever, I want to be clear that this podcast doesn't constitute medical advice and if you're struggling with any aspect of your eating or concerns around weight, shape or body image, I strongly encourage you to seek the appropriate professional advice and support that you may need. Okay, right, with that part said, let's dive on in. Today I will be covering why eating is such a powerful force in our lives. I'll be talking about comfort eating, overeating versus restrictive eating, and why I believe that diets are not only unhelpful, but can be detrimental to our psychological health in the long term. Okay, I'll see you in a second. Now, when I told you guys that I was going to release an episode on eating, many of you got in touch um, with your observations and questions about your own eating. And one question stood out as a place to start, and that was, why is eating so powerful as a force in our lives? So here are some thoughts I have on that one. Now, the first thing for me here is that eating is something that we all need to do to survive. It's a requirement. Obvious, right? But it makes it difficult when we are trying to make changes as you can't simply just cut it out. So to give an analogy, if you think about smoking, you can gradually reduce your intake of nicotine till you eventually stop completely. There's a patch for that. With eating, there is no patch. We can't just stop doing it. And for that reason, and many others, it's challenging to make changes. The next thing about eating and why it can be so powerful and difficult to change in any way is that it's also a behaviour which structures our daily routines. So if you think about it, eating and hunger quite literally kickstart our days. It tells us when it's time for a break and can often be a very social behaviour too, whether that's within our families or at the office. And 
when people's eating gets out of balance, either through restriction or overeating, as a clinical psychologist, I can usually identify where that is showing up in the client's daily routines. So let me give you a couple of examples here and see if this resonates with you in any way. So sometimes what I might see is people not having a clear structure of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a couple of snacks throughout the day. Often I hear people say things like, I just can't eat breakfast, it makes me feel sick, or I don't eat until two, three in the day, things like that. And so I just want you to have a think about the structure of your eating and how that looks. The other thing that I can see quite often is people restricting the number of meals that they have or restricting the quantities of food that they have or even the types of food. So everything just becomes a bit more squeezed and limited. Now, one of the most common patterns that I see in my clinical practice is a pattern of restriction or reduce quantities of food, um, often in the earlier parts of the day, followed by overeating in the later parts of the day, as in binge eating. Now, this is a very classic pattern, and of course it will vary from person to person, but I do see that a lot. And we often as well might see things like people either being on a diet and all in or not on a diet and being all out. And even as I'm saying this out loud, it's so clear how control becomes a theme in many issues around eating. And that can also be true of children, actually. Um, When I was doing my clinical training, we do a placement in camps. And I had an amazing supervisor there. And one of the things that she taught me through that placement was that kids typically have less autonomy and control just by the very measure of the fact that they're children. And so you might see that expressed as difficulties around eating because they can choose what they put inside their mouths. And it's just something to think about in terms of your own eating as well. You know, it's a way for you to have some control. Now, the other thing that I sometimes see is people not wanting to eat socially or in front of others at all. And sometimes what that can lead to is secret eating or nighttime eating when others are in bed. So that's just something to think about too. Now, again, just to be clear, these types of things that I am talking about are not necessarily diagnostic of clinically disordered eating but they might give you some indication that eating is challenging for you in some way and highlight some areas where you might want to shift and change things. I wonder how many of you have noticed any of these in your own eating behaviours or in the way that you structure your eating. And the other thing about this, and I'll come on to talk about this in a bit more detail in a minute, is that some of these types of behaviours might even have been endorsed by diet plans or healthy eating advice that you've followed or been given in the past. And I think that can be hugely unhelpful. Okay, I'll be back in a minute and we're going to be talking about comfort eating. Okay, I'm back. So the next thing that I think is important here 
um, because I'm often speaking to clients about this, is comfort eating. And I'm never sure people know what we mean when we say comfort eating. I think generally people usually equate that term to the idea that eating nice things is pleasurable and comforting, which of course it is. But for me, comfort eating is more than simply seeking comfort through food. It is also using food as a way to medicate out of negative emotional states and to seek comfort from that. Now, you know, I very much believe we're supposed to seek pleasure from eating nice food. It's one of life's great enjoyments. The problem is when that comfort is sought as an antidote to the discomfort of something else in our lives. Okay, so perhaps we're dissatisfied with something and we're using food as a way to medicate out of that. So let me just um, give a bit more uh, depth to that. So in the case of overeating, I see how eating nice food and feelings of fullness can often help people to forget a stressful day, our dissatisfaction with how our life is currently, or maybe even reduce our negative feelings. Often people say to me, well, I feel like I deserve it. And they get into a pattern of treating themselves. Usually though, what happens is that's followed by feelings of being out of control, feeling guilty or shameful. And we then might choose to restrict off the back of that overeating. And it's a shame, incidentally, that invariably leads to secret eating because we don't want to be upfront about what we're doing. Now, in the case of restrictive eating, it feels slightly different. Often we start by reducing our food intake, usually in response to feelings we might have around our weight, shape or body image. Sometimes the feelings of hunger that are associated with that restriction become an indication for people that, oh, I am in control of my eating and they can give us a sense of achievement. That feeling of hunger can give us a sense of achievement. And the comfort is actually sought not in the eating of food, but in the control. But the issue with restriction, of course, is that it usually can last. When we do eat, we then have the same reaction as in overeating. We can feel out of control, guilty, shameful, and on and on that cycle goes. And the restriction just starts all over again. Now, of course, these patterns vary. And will not describe everybody, but I thought it might be helpful as an illustration. Okay, I'm going to be back in just a second and we're going to talk diets and some reasons why they can be harmful in my view. Okay, I'm going to be upfront right off the back. So I am a firm believer that diets can be harmful to our psychological health if we are not thoughtful about how we approach them. That's not to say diets don't have a place. Um, when I was thinking about this podcast episode, um, I was reflecting on something that I did a few years ago in my professional life. And I was asked to contribute to a couple of television documentaries with patients living with morbid obesity. One was for Channel 4 and the other was for ITV. Now, 
these patients clearly needed to change their diet. And I want you to think about the language I've just used there. They needed to change their diet, not diet. And changing their diet was absolutely necessary for them to survive. If they continued eating the way that they were um, at that time, they would die. But it wasn't just about dieting. It was about so many other things, including habit formation around eating, what types and quantities of food they were consuming. And in the end, it was about balance. And I find that's generally a good rule of thumb. Can you describe your eating as balanced? And if not, what aspects of your eating needs to change? But diets, though they are necessary and have a place, often promote behaviours, I think, which I believe are unhelpful. So, for example, they can sometimes feel like they're labelling foods as either good and healthy or bad and unhealthy. So a couple of examples of that. So Atkins was a massive thing in the 90s um, and this idea that carbs are bad or paleo in which whole foods and lean protein are good foods and should be eaten every day. Or things like, on a more sort of vaguer note, like all fatty foods are bad, which we know isn't the case. So you get the idea. And what I want to say about that is that that type of black and white polarised thinking is never usually good psychologically because it places us into a situation where we are being asked to be rigid and inflexible in our thinking and behaviour. And we can run into problems when we do that. The other thing for me about diets is that they're often not sustainable over the long term, which can enhance our feelings of failure, which often compounds the problem because when we feel like we're failing, um, we then might do this thing that we're trying not to do, which is use food to make us feel better. And the other thing is that when we are on a diet, it models rigidity to those around us. And so... I wonder if people might resonate with this idea of, you know, if you're on a diet and your children are watching what you're doing, it can often mean we're eating at different times or eating differently to others in the family, marking us out as different, or perhaps even highlighting to our children that what we choose to feed them is not actually healthy enough for us. And what message does that give our kids? And so I just want you to think about why Changing our diet can be important, but dieting per se is not necessarily a good thing. So what can we do about it? And I think this is the part where we all need to sort of think about this individually. But here's a couple of points for me that I think are important. Firstly, it's all about our awareness. So I hope that this podcast episode will have helped you think about your eating. How are you eating? And is there actually anything problematic about it? Or is it just that some days you might eat a bit more, some days you eat a bit less, some days you eat a less balanced, nutritious diet than others? And that's not necessarily a problem. The second thing is that generally when I'm speaking to people about eating, I will encourage them to throw away the diets. They aren't sustainable, they promote rigidity and often set us up for failure and that swinging pendulum of being on a diet, off a diet, restriction and overeating. 
I would also encourage people to consider instead how can we promote more balance in our eating behaviour? Allowing ourselves the grace to eat all types of food in moderation and not have lists of good foods and bad foods and things that we avoid. So it's that getting away from labelling foods as good or bad. They're simply foods which allow us to fuel our bodies and also sometimes seek pleasure. And lastly, if we are struggling to implement changes, often people are really good at kind of saying, right, I know what the problems are, I know where I need to change my eating behaviour, but they can get stuck in the implementation. And if that's you, perhaps you might consider whether professional help and accountability might be useful for you. Okay, I hope this has been a helpful episode. Um, There's so much more that I could cover in terms of eating behaviour and I may do a couple of follow-ups to this where I outline actual disordered eating. But this was just a bit of an introduction to help you start to structure your own thinking around this. If this has been helpful, I would dearly love for you to um, write a review on Apple Podcasts for me. It all helps to get the message out. And of course, if you have any questions for me, please email me. I'd love to hear from my listeners. Um, hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And yeah, just thanks for being with me here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can email me, hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.